Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th best podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show, we'll revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Rosen, along with the revered Ike Eisenman. And uh, and first of all, I've been seeing Ike and I were just talking about this. You know, we were just t- about our subscriber. Our subscriber list is really growing, and we thank all of you for for you know hitting that subscribe button and all the followers. You know, we're enjoying what we're doing, and really, first before we do anything else, thank you. Absolutely, thank you so much. Yeah, you're. Uh keeping us more than excited to be able to bring these shows to you. So we'll, we'll see how excited you are for today's show. You never know. <laughs> well, today, today we have a special thing. We decided to do something, you know, a little, every once in a while, we're going to do, you know, look, take, take a look back at forgotten films. And, you know, you can see behind me and before we started this, Ike demanded that he goes first. He said, no, no, we're going to do this. No, <laughs> no. So we're going to do, we're going to do the hidden so I, I'm going to be honest. I I re- vaguely remember the film. I'd never seen it, but I vaguely remember when it came out. And of course, I'm tearing now, but I vaguely remembered it. So I went back and, you know, you had mentioned it. So I went back. It is, a, I think, in 87 it was out, came yeah, out? Yeah, 87, 1987, yeah. It's a very 80s movie. <laughs> the whole, oh, 100%. The whole look, everything, right, right off when you... You watch it five minutes and you know you could tell without even knowing when it was from you could look at the movie and say when this came out what not the year perhaps but the decade you knew what decade this came out oh definitely no i yeah i, I agree i mean it was a obviously it was a contemporary film film at the time but boy the, all the 80s like uh, wardrobe and and design and and you know, even I, I don't know. The, I wouldn't say the music from it was. I, I would say the music. I would say the music. Yeah, you and think even so? The yeah. cinematography too. I mean, there's the '80s have a certain look in their movies. I, I for sure that you know you could definitely. I think the '70s too. Um, after that, it's a little bit tougher for me to tell. But for '70s and '80s, I look at a movie and I know what decade they're from just without even looking at the years. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, and I was trying to remember. I, I might have actually worked on it. Did you? I worked. Yeah, I think <laughs> I might have. And if I didn't, I knew a lot of people who did because I just rewatched it. Um, and I bought it on DVD uh, back in the day uh, when it came out because I I, uh, I I was a big fan of it from day one. I, I Had you seen I this thought, in the theaters? Um, you know, I'm trying to think, did I see it in the theater? And I'm not, I can't be 100% sure about that. Um, but I know once I bought it on DVD, I watched it a lot because I, I just, what I, what I think I, I was drawn to about this movie because it, 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 it didn't make a whole lot of money. It wasn't hugely popular at the time. So I felt like perhaps I had discovered it post its theatrical release and, and I'm sitting watching it and I'm, I'm basically a fan of of b sci-fi movies just b (laughs) sci-fi movies in general and 
I don't know if this was styled that way or intended to come across as a B sci-fi movie, but that definitely had that hit feel. Me. Yeah, really, it really hit me that way because it's a low-budget film. You could tell, even though I mean, even though there's a, a lot of car crashes and car crashes are always expensive. The chase scenes, there's this chase scene that opens up the beginning of the film with a Ferrari after a bank heist and and the um, uh, the bad guy who's running away from the police is smashing into cars. The cop cars are smashing into other cop cars, and they have a whole big wipeout at the end. Uh, at the end of the sequence, and and I thought, God, it the show's got this low budget texture, grady feel to it. But my my goodness, this sequence was was definitely they spent some money on that. But by and large, everything was done in such a cost effective manner, and I thought the entire way in which the story was told was really geared towards a lower budget um, concept. And I thought it worked. It worked. I mean, you know, the, the effects were a little cheesy, you know, which just, I always think of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original one. Now mm. that's a huge classic. I guess it's more of a horror film, but horror sci-fi, I think it applies to, to both of these. No, many but, of those, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the, 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 what I loved about, the like B sci-fi and horror movies of the of the fifties was was just how just how cheesy they were. Um, they were over the top stories and and trying to thread a human interest story in the middle of a monster movie was always just such a funny thing to me. And then the uh, the the costumes and effects and the makeup were always much lower budget and so they everything was really looked like your backyard puppet theater you know put on film and this was really no different um the effect of the monster i thought was fascinating really well done but still had that cheese ball factor that, feel like... that, that just <clears throat> that made it made it feel like a 50s you know monster movie and i i i just i just dug it and then I loved where it went and, you know, and, and, and I've, I, I, I've watched it more times than it probably deserves, but I'm, I'm a big fan. Well, I, I now I'm fascinated because you did not mention this part to me that you, you may have worked on it. <laughs> what, what yeah. Well, the, yeah, I doing ADR. I I've, I've done, and I've, I've mentioned this before and I'll say it many more times. I worked on over a thousand movies. So many that sometimes I forget, forget which ones <laughs> I do forget until I hear because my ears are very attuned. Um, when you see the background, uh, the background in, in movies, and especially The Hidden, there was a tremendous amount of ADR work, which is sound effects work, with actors uh, you know, filling in the voices and making like the, the police station full of cops talking back and forth to each other, or the cops of the street shouting to each other during the chase scene, or, or radio stuff that you hear. All that stuff's recorded in post-production. Uh, by a, a small group of actors that fill in all those voices. And I remember in the very beginning of the film, as I was just rewatching it again, um, the bank high scene, as people on the street are spilling out and making comments and trying to manage the chaos, I heard three distinct voices that were that are friends of mine. So I either, <laughs> either worked on it with them or they worked on it separately before I got involved with working with them. And I just recognized them. So I went, God, That's I don't know. And I was, yeah, I was looking at the end credits because, because sometimes um, I worked for a lady named Barbara Harris. She was a, she's a huge ADR casting director. That's how I got into it to begin with. And then um, after a few years of that, um, some of the guys and I split off and formed our own group called the LA Mad Dog. So that's usually how we get credit 
on our on our projects is by our 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 group name if you if you want to call it that mm. and i i checked the end credits for this in the post-production sound area and i knew the people who had recorded it i knew all their names but i didn't, I didn't see, see either it. one of our names so um they didn't give anyone, anyone credit for doing it so i couldn't tell who did or who didn't so wow. it's quite possible i actually worked on it but i'm not going to say it <laughs> definitively because i can't i didn't hear myself in it which <laughs> i know sounds so weird but uh but um i'm gonna have yeah, to go so, back and listen yeah <laughs> so. yeah it's it's uh, interesting yeah for people out there you know when when you're watching movies it's 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 hard to imagine um and now here we're digressing and talking about filmmaking but it, no that's fine that's what, this is the kind of stuff I, I i love anyway when it comes to making any movie but all those background voices you hear uh they never record that stuff on set the only stuff they record are the principal actors and their their prime their main dialogue, um, because any other ancillary audio um, then messes up their dialogue tracks and you can't cut them cleanly. So extras are 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 literally directed to pantomime what they're doing. They'll open their mouths and pretend like they're saying something, even if they're shouting, but they're not actually doing that. It's a whole other group of actors that comes in and then. Um, and then creates all of those audio um, um, vocal sound effects for every single movie that's made and a lot and in a great in, in most TV shows as well. So it's a little hidden. Here's a, staying on theme, a hidden secret about uh, about <laughs> filmmaking. That's fantastic. That's really fantastic. I got to go listen now. I'm, I'm very impressed. I'm blown away now. Um, but let's go. <laughs> let's talk about the hidden now. So for those who don't know. OK, so 1987. Okay, it's uh, Kyle MacLachlan and Michael Nury, and Mike uh, Kyle MacLachlan plays an FBI agent, and he's not what he seems. <laughs> we, I mean, we could go ahead and say here's the spoiler alert in, in case you haven't seen it. So well, the whole thing's a spoiler alert, right? Exactly. So he's an, <laughs> so he's an alien hunting other aliens on Earth. They're hiding within bodies, and I've seen several movies similar to this. And I'm not sure if this was the first or not. But I have seen several movies with this type of theme, but this this was interesting, and I did enjoy the movie. I, I did. I wasn't sure I was going to, but I did enjoy the movie. Um, you know, Kyle MacLachlan it seems was a decade of playing FBI agents. <laughs> oh God, he had, yeah. He had. I, I read that he had something else before this, and then he had uh, you know Twin Peaks right after this also. So he had all those. So. I, and I also read here's one of the things that I was fascinated by too that Michael Nury turned down the role of Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon for this movie. Oh, <laughs> he had to be okay. Wow, you found out more than I did. That's crazy. He had to be killing himself afterwards, though. Oh. Not, not to hold anything against this, the hidden, but you know that he turned down this major one to work on this. I had no idea. Okay, that's that's uh, that's tragically funny in a way. And you know, this gosh, this happens to actors all the time. You got to pick one. You got to decide what you want to do. You know, you got to decide sometimes which which film it's going to be. As a matter of fact, I remember. <laughs> I think my favorite story about turning movies down was told by James Caan, um, and. He he ran down a list. I don't know what they are of all the movies 
huge hmm. movies that he ended up turning down because he thought they were stupid. <laughs> and he said, he said, if I picked a movie, it was more than likely going to fail. He said, so every time I turned one down, I knew it, it, I reached a certain point where I knew it was just going to be a huge movie. And so that's the kind of schmuck I am. Um, so, it, it, you know, the, it's, it, it does happen. It does happen a lot where you, know, you, you got to make a decision for one thing or, or the other. And that's that's <laughs> and he's got he's such a good actor. He's really good yeah. in this, too, because, I mean, you know, going towards the, the, the plot. Kyle McLaughlin just places a FBI agent on the hunt for aliens. And this alien moves from body to body. Right. And the villain, uh, the villainous uh, character, which is this alien moving from body to body, are all these people who are randomly going from being normal humans to suddenly mm -hmm. going on murderous rampages, stealing fast cars and listening to like acid rock music. And, and so these random murders are happening throughout the course of a few days that Michael Norrie is a police uh, in, um, inspector investigator has to go and then um, figure out what's happening. And Kyle McLaughlin is trying to move him on from, from crime to crime to crime to follow this alien when it's taken on different human personas. So mm -hmm. the whole mystery of it is about like, okay, what the heck is going on? And I've always felt like with a story like this, as outlandish as it is, as it is, because of course it is, is 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 that one character, the Michael Norrie character, who has to, who has to question everything, has to try to make sense of it, and has to move through it before we're actually given, you know, the big secrets given up, and the big reveal happens where we go, oh, okay, now I know what's going on, and then you can follow along with it. So I just I I thought it was phenomenal um, in in this film. Um, you know, carry, carrying the um, the weight of the mystery. No, I, I like I said, I I had never seen it, so I this was all new to me. <clears throat> I enjoyed the film. It was it was definitely everything that we've that you said. It it was fun. It was it had the cheesy, you know, the the side the special effects, you know, the the little yellow ray. But that was cheesy, but it was fun. It was like it was <laughs> definitely was a a. It definitely felt like you said it a fifties sci fi movie, you know, to me. Um, this was after the thing so there i mean we had seen other things about you know the suspicion of humans we don't know who the humans which humans are infected let's say by the by an alien so we'd seen another thing and i think uh this also reminded me of the what well, i can't remember the name the, the denzel washington movie where like the evil entity goes from body to body and they don't know who it is i am not sure i i don't know that i'm familiar with that movie no, i'm gonna all. have to look that up <laughs> so yeah, this was part of this is part should have been part of your research dude it should have i know i know I, I, let's see this, this well, is bad I, on me yeah while you're looking that up i mean even down to the music in this film there was something about the about the score uh the soundtrack that i that that sounded particularly strange to me. And I don't know if they mixed it the way they did. It had a very echoey, hollow feel to it. Like it kind of reminded me of a, of a Jerry Anderson movie from, from the sixties or like the Thunderbirds. For some reason, those British <laughs> shows that had their very dramatic science fiction style scores had this echoey reverberating hollow sound to them that was extremely unique. And this film had had that. And again, like I, I it, even in my research, I, you can never really tell because people obviously want to try to make the best 
Oh, goodness. Sure. See, here's my club soda uh, coming back to haunt me again. <laughs> um, you're always trying to make the best movie you can, the most exciting, the most interesting, most dramatic, and best made. And they end up, by the time everyone has their hands on it, taking on a certain life of their, their own. And so I couldn't really find out whether or not the overall design was to kind of follow that I can't even really call it a convention, but 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 put it in that B sci-fi movie box, or if it just landed there um, as a kind of a beautiful coincidence, because I think that's the thing that that, that draws me to it is um, is that characteristic about it uh, specifically. But did you find your fallen? Your title? Fallen is the name of the movie. Oh, fallen! Yes, I have seen that. Yeah, right. It's been a long time. That was a good movie. That was a good movie. And I, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I love the idea. Is this kind of this, a this reminded me of that a little bit? And even though this, you know, this came out yeah. first, obviously the hidden that you know you just don't know. You know, you look around you, and it could be anyone. The, you right. know, and that's that's like a staple of of sci-fi films in general. It's like always, you know, that uh, who can you trust, and you know, uh, the conspiracies, <laughs> kind of well, that. Uh, yeah, in which which helps you know, which helps filmmakers get films done that are interesting like this without big budgets. Cause I sci-fi is either in space or right. even, you know, or it's, 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 you know, all inside your mind or something like that. So, so that, that just, that, that makes, I think that makes it um, easier to get these kind of stories done. And I just yeah, think it's clever. Freaks me out, creeps me out. No, no, it, it was. And you, this I read, too. I don't know if you read this part, too, that there was a sequel. <laughs> Did you read that one? No. There was a direct-to-video sequel. None of the original cast. <laughs> None of them. They had oh, someone yeah. else playing. Right, of course. And it didn't do anything. But they, I read that this was a modest hit, but they had someone else playing the Michael Nuri character. Because <clears throat> at the this is what I did not like. And I, I am such a sap with movies i really am <laughs> that <laughs> i did not like the ending and so at the end and again spoiler but everyone who's watching this has probably seen the movie so at the end michael nuri's character is about to die okay so we, yes. he's about to die and the alien that who's inhabiting kyle mclaughlin's earlier he was invited to michael nuri's house for dinner and he saw the interaction between Michael Nuri and his daughter. And so he felt bad that the daughter was now going to be without a father. So the alien force left Kyle McLaughlin, goes into Michael Nuri. And so that upset me. <laughs> not, that, not that he went into it, just that someone's dying at the end. It's not going to be the same. And this girl is not really having her father. She's having, she is having her father, but it's not really her father. So I did not get the, the big happy ending that I wanted. And I like I told you, I am such a sap with these type of movies. <laughs> I, no, that's I, so funny happy. I interpreted it differently. I, I maybe I, I, you know, and maybe you're saying that he in, in part part of um Kyle McLaughlin's character was the tragedy of him chasing this alien, because this, this other alien is who historically from his character's backstory murdered his partner and his right. wife and his daughter in in his alien life and so part about part of this um um 
part of this hunt is is not only stop him from continuing to kill um kill more but to exact some sense of revenge um for his family so he's alone and yes he sees the the power of michael nori's family and how important that is and, and you know i really I, I I thought these that they were lovely scenes at the house. Um, yes, he I was, agree with that. He was he was watching the daughter, and it was an, interest, an interesting moment in, the, in in the movie where the daughter looks at him and knows, man, there's something not right with this guy. She doesn't say a word; she just <laughs> stares at him, but she won't interact with him, and and she knows something's up. But um, but I thought at the end, instead of the alien moving from Colin McLaughlin into Michael Norris' body, it because it wasn't the same thing. The monster we saw physically like move from human to human. Creature, right. Yeah, the slug-like thing that came out the mouth and then went to the mouth of the other person and then possessed their body and started to um, articulate it. Uh, he was passing what seemed to me was just like a life force, like an energy force. He was releasing his own and, 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 and bequeathing that to Michael Norrie, which brought him back to life. So I felt like it was still Michael Norrie. And I did ask myself that question because I said, wait a minute, have I liked this movie too much? And this ending is weird now that he's going to go on as an alien or not. So it was ambiguous enough for me that I, that's how I in, interpreted it. See, it was, it was ambiguous enough for me until I read the description of the sequel. So I could have gone either way. And well, there, could, there you had to go and ruin it for yourself. Well, <laughs> I did. I did ruin it for myself. Yes, I could have gone either way. But I, I did think, even while watching it, I, I said it could be just the, the life force. But I was still pretty sure it was the alien. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, just giving himself over that he's going to inhabit the body now. But in the sequel, it says that, you know, this is years after. Again, it happens. Aliens are coming to visit. The daughter is now a detective also. The, you know, she's also hunting for them. And she's kind of estranged from her father because he hasn't been the same. He's been having all these weird things. So it's leading me to believe that it is the alien inhabiting the body and that, uh, you know, he's still trying to learn human traits. He doesn't know human affections. There's not fatherly to his daughter so yes uh -huh. i ruined it for myself by reading the description of the sequel yeah and now you ruined it for me so that's the big spoiler for me wow wow well no i'm just going to pretend like that doesn't exist no we uh... could you could edit this out later <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the that's the only i was enjoying this movie until that part of that kind of left me deflated it was still i still thought it was a, a fun movie and you know, I'm glad you selected it because I, I like seeing things that I've never seen, you know, seen before. But it, it, that still did leave me a little bit deflated at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely not a perfect film by any stretch. <laughs> it, they but, said they said it was a modest hit, so it was like. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it did pick. It picked up. It picked up in the DVD release and developed yes. a, a bit of a cult following. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll give it a little bit of a boost here now. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 and going back to the whole 80s thing, it's, it's funny how we tend to forget that these movies are time capsules. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. you, I, I, what I kind of, what I enjoy about seeing films from the 70s and, and the 80s 
they're old enough now that all the cars are classics. <laughs> you know, practically every car you see on the street, it was, they were brand new at the time. Now, if we run into them, they're they're either restored or need to be restored. So I always think that's that's a lot of fun, and um, just even seeing Los Angeles because that's where it takes place. Um, that that's fun. I like seeing it. I agree with you very yeah, much. Yeah, and you know, yeah. So you know, and and of course the clothing, the costumes, and not the costumes, the clothing, and all of that. I I I, I that tends to be a kick in the pants for me, and um, yeah, I enjoy that that part of it. But um, also. You, yeah. No, go ahead. The filmmaking style is very you. I, I completely agree with you. Is very much eighties. Um, the pacing, even the length of the film, because it just seems like movies are getting longer and longer and longer and longer <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, it's funny you said that, and I'm going to and this I'm going to sidetrack with like we always do on these things. There yeah. that you said you like seeing the street. That this reminded you of the streets in L.A. You know, at a time that you're familiar with, and uh-huh. I. There are two movies that always come to mind that because of the same thing for me, and we're totally digressing here, so I apologize, but at the end of Tootsie and at the end of Romancing the Stone, both those movies, they stop, you know, like they kind of, and they go down the New York streets at the end of the movies. So that always, I stop and I watch every single moment of those credits because it reminds me of my youth in New York. And I sure. so it's the same, and it get and it does get to me each time. It like you know I feel it, I feel it in my chest. I feel it, you know, watching like that that longing for that time that you were a kid, or like you you know the memories of your youth in that in that moment in that uh, in that atmosphere that setting. So I totally get what you're saying about you know seeing the streets of LA because I get the same thing with those movies in New York. Yeah. No, yeah, that was definitely. Um... Yeah, my 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 heyday there for you know for 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 quite a while, and it's been grief. It's been 20, uh, 20, 20 years for me since I lived there, and I visited a few times. It's changed every 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 place changes. Right, uh, the, you know that's just that's the nature of of the beast. But um, but yeah, I I. I I I have I don't miss LA at all for a great many reasons. It's a difficult um, city to live in, and in in, in a lot of ways, uh, depending upon the kind of business you're in. But um, but I I boy, there is that nostalgic pull to place that I that I get from Los Angeles. I mean, I even have dreams about it sometimes, where I'm I'm trying to go back to my old neighborhood, or I'm trying to find some place that I knew, and I see in my dream I see these familiar things, and all of a sudden it's unfamiliar, and it's like it's all changed, and that was very much a a, 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 a real experience I had. My last trip was just a, a couple of weeks ago, and driving down the same places I used to drive, going to work and going to different studios and all of this, and seeing some of the same. Um, places and businesses and buildings and all of a sudden all these new places and buildings and businesses it was just it, it it's like it takes over a little bit so yeah getting to go back um in the context of a movie and and um have that nostalgic experience is, is something i hadn't quite started to put together until i started revisiting some of these movies that 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 you and i are watching for the sake of the show if not for fun so right. fascinating no, and actually, I mean, yeah, no, I totally get that. I, I actually went through, um, the, you've mentioned the music before, too. After it was done, 
I went in down to Spotify and I, I downloaded a couple of the songs from this movie because I liked <laughs> so Oh man, awesome. That's great. I, like, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to look up who and I can't remember his name. I got this, I'm looking it up. I, I am so unprepared and this is not good. So <laughs> let's see. Here we go. Ed O'Ross was in this also. Oh, he, yes. he was, he's like, he was a detective in this one, but he's like been in so many things where he's the bad guy. <laughs> so that, that that was fun seeing him on the other end of this. Oh yeah, and I of course I've seen him in a lot of things too. I'm most um, the, the the film I know him the most from is uh, Full Metal Jacket. Uh, right. That's where I'm the most familiar with him, where he actually isn't playing a bad guy, but um, he's such a great character actor. And I thought the film was 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 riddled with great character actors um a, a lot of fairly known people especially uh, for the 80s but they all had such distinctly uh they're distinctly different personalities but once they got possessed by the alien they all turned into the same kind of weird <laughs> awkward robotic thing i mean i just i you know i gotta say as a character and the alien the characteristics, I guess they're the characteristics of this alien, I just think are hilarious because there's actually a good deal of humor inserted into this film. Yes. And I think the, the most humorous thing is, is what this alien likes to do. I mean, he steals Ferraris. <laughs> he blows, he shoots people indiscriminately or he or she, yeah, it's a he, they identified as a he, um, and, and likes to listen to loud rock and roll music while he does it. And it's just... And then he had a huge ego because he decided he wanted to be president of the United States at the end. I mean, you know, it's just it's just like, <laughs> my God, this this guy's ego is completely this alien's ego is completely unchecked. <laughs> he needs well, to be stopped. To be, to be fair, we've had many presidents in the same way. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, no, there's no look. I've all, I have always said that. I said if you have got to have a monstrous <laughs> ego to be a movie star and president of the United States. Yes, there's other things too, but between the two of them, if 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 you don't if you, if that's not in your uh, yeah, if that's not in your repertoire, you're 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 not going to go places. <laughs> and, and here and this is when Claudia Christian was in it. She was in Babylon 5 afterwards. Mm -hmm. And here, here was another thing I read too. See, I did do some research. So let's see. Um, <laughs> she she got hurt during the uh, when she did it when she fired a shot in one in one of the scenes. Oh, really? Yeah, there was like um, like a little bit of a you know, even though it's still um, you know blanks or whatever, there was still like some you know something like hit her face or something afterwards, and. So they said, like later on, every time she did something in Babylon Fine, she pressed, she pulled the trigger for something, even though it was like special effects added later, you know, for the ray guns or whatever it is. Yeah. She kept, yeah. she would like turn her head because she was, she had the impact of it. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I read. <laughs> so, well, I, 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 yeah, I can, I can plus this podcast with a, um, interesting true story on a Disney project I did. Yeah, people don't understand um, the idea of, of blanks in a gun, um, a gun on set. They're real guns. You have to use a real gun to, to fire off a blank. Right. And all a blank means is it's an actual bullet. It just doesn't have a lead, uh, you know, the, the lead bullet inside. Right. It's got it's got a, um, a thick piece of wool, cotton, dense. It's, they call it wadding that has to be stuffed in there so 
the bullet can actually fire, especially with um, semi-automatic handguns, in order to chamber, chamber a new round every time you fire off something, there has to be enough gunpowder, a large enough load in the gun to, uh, to actually mechanically make that work. But um, I was working on, uh, it was, it's a Western called uh, Fremont, and the Mo- uh, Fremont and the Mountain Man. Yeah, <laughs> the, ch- the title changed. It was <laughs> one of the projects I did for the Wonderful World of Disney. And it was a total blast. I got to work up, work up in the mountains over the summer and ride horses and, and, um, it, and be chased by bad guys with guns. And of course, guns were everywhere. Guns were being fired all the time. And um, there was one shot that the director wanted to have where the bad guy raises his rifle and aims, aims it um, just off camera uh, from where the camera was. And the camera was a good 15, 20 feet away. So it was not close, but the camera operator said he wouldn't do the shot that way unless he had, um, um, I forgot what he called it, but it was a shield. No. And the director was really ups- upset because he didn't want to take the time to have the shield mounted to the camera. And he said, no, I will not do this. I will not do this. I've seen this happen before. People can get hurt. Even though, you know, you think you're firing a blank, you're not. Something comes out of that gun. So he insisted on it. He refused to work. So we stopped production and waited while the grips went and got this big sheet of plexiglass. It was cut in the silhouette, the shape of the Panavision camera. Yeah, right. And it had that little clamps on it that attached to it and it was completely clear but stuck out far enough that it provided um cover for the camera operator and the assistant cameraman who had to sit there and pull focus so in order to give the actor something to aim for to make it look like he was like shooting as close to camera as possible they put a piece of tape crosshairs on Mm -hmm. the plexiglass which just happened to be at the same level as the camera operator's head. So we're all watching. We do, do the shot. He pulls the rifle up. He aims it and fires. And I was standing to this perpendicular to the whole thing. I wasn't behind camera at all watching them do this. It shattered the plexiglass. I wow. mean, shattered it. Whatever. And they had a full load in the, in, in the rifle. So it had a good fire burst that came out of it that you could see. This wad came out, hit that piece of plexiglass, and shattered it. Wow! And oh, wow! The camera operator when they finally cut cut. That was the only take they did. Thank goodness. He was so shaken because he thought he said, "What if I had not insisted on this thing? Right, I'd be dead. Right. I probably would be seriously injured, if not potentially dead right now." So these guns are no. There's no fooling around with them, and the prop department. Uh, the property master and the property assist prop, prop assistants um, have an entire hierarchy and a process they go through when there are weapons on set. And as a matter of fact, you have to have a special permit. Not every prop master can um, rent guns or own guns that they then provide to a to a, a shoot, huh? but to a production. <laughs> you have to have a special permit to do this. And um, and every time they come over, when I was doing uh, Race to Witch Mountain, I was playing a sheriff and I had a holstered 357 Magnum um, on me all the time. And every time the prop master came over, he said, I'm giving you your gun now. And he would 
open the barrel, he'd spin it, he'd say, look down the barrel, he'd make me look down the barrel to make sure it was empty, he'd close it, and he'd turn it down, and he'd click it, and he'd say, and then he'd hand it to me, wow. and I holstered oh, wow. it myself, so that's how careful they are, and as careful as they are, accidents still happen, so, sure. you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's not surprising that, you know, in these, all of these shoot 'em up things, somebody doesn't, you know, get an eye put out every once in a while. Uh, look, I mean, we, we had uh, Mino on and that we could saw the worst things that happened when, you know, talking about accidents like that. But getting, getting back to, um, you know, the, first of all, I just want to say quickly, I thought the cameo you did in Race to Witch Mountain was probably one of the most fun cameos of anything that I've seen in, in films. And this is before <laughs> I, no, really was to me, I, because I, I was looking, I, this is before I knew you. And I remember when I watched that movie, and I was hoping that, you know, you and Kim would be on it. And when you did, I was like, yes, <laughs> like, I, I always look when they do remakes to see if they have the original people on. And I was, I thought yours was so much fun. <laughs> you know, the scene. That oh, you I'm so, in. I'm so glad to hear it. It was so much fun for me because I, I kind of cracked me up. I thought I'm finally playing a grown up, <laughs> <You know? laughs> a real grown up. But oh, uh, you, you also, you were also like kind of a badass. I mean, that was like, that's like, you know, just, you're... that's just it. It was, that was, yes. it was totally totally fun for me and i'm sitting here thinking you know as the character you know no there look things get out of hand i can handle it you know <laughs> <laughs> i didn't have a harmonica but i figured i could probably um, figure it out one way or the other <laughs> well, getting back to the i, I have to yeah. ask now you said we talked about the blanks so what are the squibs the squibs like you know they see when people get shot and those go off in the body what, what are those then? that that's actually a little plastic pack um that's underneath the costume or the clothing that that's being worn um, that's actually wired to a, a battery for the sake of, sake of simplicity. And they will flip a switch or, you know, if a bunch of squibs go off, they'll run a, a, um, a, like a metal bar across all these little contacts and they all fire off and explode blowing fake blood out away from your chest. So they're often painful. <laughs> Are they? That's always yeah. one. Sometimes they'll they'll you'll they'll have some you know some kind of clothing a barrier in between um, your your skin and because it's a little tiny explosive. Uh, right. Bottom sure. line, yeah. But it's um, safe, but it can be painful. Yeah, yeah, it can, it, it it can. <laughs> well, I have another <laughs> direct Let's experience with that too. It wasn't a blood squib, but in uh, Return from Witch Mountain, and in my. Uh, my only nude scene I've ever done, my where I'm naked from the waist up in the laboratory and, and in my coma state, I have all these electrodes on my body, um, on my chest. As as my character is, is Tony is coming out of it and he's struggling in his head and and um, you know against whatever is going on, my uh, Tony's um, telekinesis actually makes these things spark and fire and smoke um and i had them on stuck to my chest and so the special effects guys who i had worked with on escape to witch mountain so it was the same group came over before we were shooting the scene and said you know here's what we're doing um is this okay with you because we're going to be putting it on your skin and Peggy hmm. Cobb, my set teacher, who is uh, not only our set teacher, but they're also your our, our welfare workers right. that look out for our welfare. Um, 
I said, I, I, you know, I don't know. I've never done anything like this. You know, is it going to hurt? Is it hot? Or is it whatever? And he said, no, it shouldn't, it shouldn't do anything at all because it should just smoke this direction you know, out. It's got a backing on it. And so my teacher said, um, Peggy said, you know what? I'll try it. We'll put it on my forearm because this is like the most sensitive skin you probably have on your body right here. Uh, how mm-hmm. she knew that, I don't know. But she <laughs> knew everything. So he put one on hooked it up to the nine volt battery and it smoked and that was it. And she said, "Hmm, no, didn't feel a thing. (laughs) So I went, okay, fine. Stick them on me. Well, it was okay after the first take, but after three, when they stuck them back in the same places, it was like starting to sizzle me. And you can actually see it on my chest when they pull them off. I've got these red rings (laughs) Wow. Oh, where they stuck it to me. So, you know, it's like, no, it wasn't a blood squib. I wasn't shot, but I, but I, but I was fried a little bit, um, you know, and it's, it's, you know, you, the thing is you always end up just taking it for the team anyway, because you, you know, you want to get it done and right. you don't want to you wimp out on the, you don't want to be the one but, that's causing the, fight. yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't want it. Not again. <laughs> so yeah, that whole, the whole process is very sophisticated. Um, and uh, those kinds of special effects are, you know, they've changed a lot over over the years. Sure. But God, they're so effective. I mean, it just it's it's amazing how real uh, you think how real it looks. I don't know. Right. Well, I guess so. We'll get. It. I mean, this was a fun movie. I, I did enjoy it. I, I'm glad you suggested it. Um, <laughs> I I cannot wait to you know give you a schlock movie to <laughs> for me. Mine's gonna be okay. schlockier okay. than this. Good. Well, have you picked it? Can we reveal I have not it on the show? Taken yet. I'm gonna, okay. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not taking okay. it yet. I'm deciding between a couple. So it'll be a surprise for you. So yeah. it'll, uh, it'll probably be for me, but I'm deciding between a couple. But this was fun. And I, and I saw yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a very positive rate, uh, too. Still, it has like in the 70s uh, percentage of positive. Uh, of well, this film. Well, that's that's awesome that's good good to know so i'd love to know i mean people who like you give us your comments about this if you've seen it sure. let us know what you think and then like if there's any other like b sci-fi movies from the 70s and 80s you like like let us know because i would oh absolutely you know, cer- cer- neither one of us have seen everything and <laughs> we're always looking for <laughs> something fun <laughs> to watch <laughs> absolutely yes yes please leave it in the comments and uh well with this this has been fun this was a fun one our first forgotten films uh, segment <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> can't wait to do some more but uh again uh we thank you thank you very much for watching and again to all everyone who's been subscribing really a heartfelt thank you and uh ike thank you it's always a pleasure <laughs> absolutely thank you it's a blast yeah anyway again yes we thank everyone for watching. This has been a lot of fun, this uh, forgotten film segment. We hope to do more of these. And again, to all the subscribers, a really heartfelt thank you. We appreciate you uh, watching us every week. And we see your comments. I've been reading every single comment that you leave and a lot of the suggestions that you've been making and uh, they're not ignored, believe me. But again, this has been Jonathan Rosen along with Ike Geisenman. And this has been Pop Culture Retro. And please hit the subscribe button. Thank you and bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast.